I made a little graphic for it. See what you think. Can you see that very well? With me on the right and you on the left. Oh, I see. Okay. It's a picture I took, uh, or I, that was taken of us at my parents' 40th anniversary party. Oh. Okay. So I, I was thinking about calling it Lessons from Grandpa. Okay. What do you think of that? That's all right. All right. <laughs> at least it doesn't say wisdom. <laughs> right, because you want everyone to take all of it with a grain of salt, right? Yeah. Welcome to the podcast, Lessons from Grandpa. I'm Ryan Holdeman. Uh, and the grandpa in this case is my grandpa, Paul Holdeman. Really interesting guy, and I wanted to make a point to sit down and capture some of the some of the lessons he teaches. He's been he's been for his entire life basically a person who captures what he's experiencing in the form of a story and in the form of a lesson to share with other people. And I've been really lucky through the years to get to learn from those lessons. And uh, we had a few weeks ago a little bit of a scare. Uh, when he fell and and that led me to think, hey, I got to spend some time sitting down with my grandpa and capturing some of those ideas. And so this podcast is really about you know, sharing some of the concepts of my grandpa. Um, he started out in his 20s as a Mennonite pastor. Later on in his career, he moved to being a Methodist pastor. Then he left that and became a, a head of probation in Larimer County, Colorado. And then he went back to being a pastor uh, for a really long time. And to this day, he's 95 years old. He still speaks on Sundays um, at a gathering called Tapestry. So he's been engaged in how to teach how to teach ideas for a really long time. And he's been someone who's who challenges the status quo, which will definitely be present in these in these lessons. Um, but I want to I'm going to take you real quick to sort of his description of this first concept and then come back. Well, one of the things that I thought about was that the freedom one feels when you finally tell the truth about your situation. Yeah. Uh, even though it's, it contains no answer, but to tell the truth about it mm. is very freeing. Yeah. And I thought, that, that that would be one of the topics that we could okay. talk about. I like that. Okay, so that's the topic for this first episode is really this idea of, of being honest with yourself, stating your truth about the thing that is troubling you, that you failed at, and then starting to plant some seeds from there. So let's dive in and learn a little bit. First of all, what are the stories from your life that led to that phrase of tell your truth about your situation? Well, I was in absolutely in desperate circumstances, financially particularly. And a guy came into my office who was selling check protectors. And he had a... Uh, he showed me that you can write a check and seal the envelope. And then he had a long device with two prongs on it. And he could stick it into that part up at the top where it doesn't seal. Okay. 
and he could reach in and and put that uh, split I call it a tongue and wrap it up real tight and pull it out and never break the seal on the envelope. So you could take the check. Yes. And I was so surprised. And I said to him, I said, that's amazing. I said, uh, how often does that happen? And he says, almost never. And he he pushed it away. And he says, let's talk. Well, it turned out that I lived seven miles out in the country and he lived right across the road from me and we didn't know each other. Hmm. It turns out that he was a recovering alcoholic. He had been sober about seven years and he, since I had never been drunk with alcohol, he invited me to come to the open meetings which they held once a month. And so I, I went there and he gave me a card, the, which contained the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. What I don't remember is whether he suggested it or whether I did it on my own, but instead of using the word alcohol, I used the word failure. Hmm. And the very first step says, I recognize that I was powerless over my failure and that my life had become unmanageable. Okay. Uh, What I experienced was the amazing freedom of finally telling the truth about my situation. Mm. Even though there's no answer wrapped up in that, that comes later. But what was so, I finally was telling the truth about my situation. I was totally frustrated and felt like I didn't know what to do. And to tell the truth about it instead of, of, uh, well, I guess you'd say lying to yourself about what it is. I, I just simply told the truth about it. And I, I experienced a, a moment of freedom that I hadn't experienced before. So I always say that, to tell the truth about something is very freeing uh, in and of itself, regardless of what the answer is. So using the word failure instead of addiction helped you sort of take that idea beyond just the context of That's correct. having an addiction. And then I, I went on the next two steps. The first, the second step after uh, telling the truth about it, was that I recognized that that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. And the thing that struck me about that, even though I didn't think of myself as insane, I recognized that what I was doing about my problems was insane. Mm. And, uh, and that a power greater than myself could do that. And that was a real step forward. And then the third step was that, that we decided to turn our life and our wills over to the power of God as we understood him. Hmm. For me, that meant turning my life over to something that I couldn't trust, Hmm. but it's the only thing I had. Uh, I had tried everything. At least I thought I had 
tried everything else and and so now I was down to but I but remember it says as I understood him mm-hmm. and I saw him as somebody who who was out there somewhere listening to me but I I I didn't understand why 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 did God answer some prayers and some prayers he didn't it seemed to me that we were dealing with a very capricious hmm. being and uh, but I still had to turn my life and my will over to the care of God as I understood him knowing that there may be a lot that I didn't understand, mm. but it was it was a very powerful moment because uh, some drastic changes took place there, yeah. which I could go into detail about. Yeah. Well, first, so so as you understood him, what you're saying is you realized you didn't need to fully understand every component of. What are God's motives? Why does he answer some prayers? Why does he not answer others? Like that it was okay that you only had a certain part of the picture? Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. It, 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 it wasn't because I was so wise about it. It was just that I didn't have anything else. Okay. Um, I, had, I felt like I had tried everything and nothing worked for me. Uh, in fact, it was just a few moments later that or earlier that i that i said i'm supposed to be a teacher and i have nothing to teach and uh so i said since i can't teach anything i'll be a learner Hmm. and i i decided that i would be willing to learn from anybody drunk or sober rich or poor young or old male or female whatever wherever it was i was willing to learn from that so this this progression uh, uh, made me realize that you had to learn what the next step was, where you found it. And but I found out that telling the truth about my situation led me to the next step. Hmm. So by basically the telling the truth helped you basically get through step one, so that you could get to step two. Because you were constantly battling step one by pretending that it wasn't real or not naming exactly what the problem was. Yeah, it was kind of like as if you're blaming God for not being there. And in fact, uh, it is true that I was in my car and I I yelled out. I I actually swore and I said, "God damn it, God, where are you?" Hmm. And uh, so I recognized that there was something sadly missing in my understanding yeah. of, of how we related. You know, what had you in that situation in the car where you were that upset with God? Well, to tell you a little bit more about this was in Mississippi. And at that time, uh, this was in 1954. And at that time, Kansas and Mississippi were the last two states to be dry. That is, you could only uh, get three, two beer. Mm-hmm. And um, Mississippi so flagrantly uh, ignored their own laws that 
I had a flat tire and right where I was changing the tire, they, there was a building uh, a half a block away that had painted on the outside. If you drive your husband to drink, drive him in here. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know, wow, I, I just got through saying that I was willing to learn from anybody and I was going ahead and changing the tire when a voice behind me, this was eight o'clock in the morning. And there was a voice behind me that said, mister, do you have a quarter for a cup of coffee? Well, this was when coffee was a nickel. Hmm. And I knew before I turned around and looked at him that he was already at least half drunk and mm-hmm. that I had just got through saying that I was willing to learn from anybody right. drunk or sober. So here you go. Here's a situation. <laughs> and so I said, I, I can't give you a nickel. I've only got two pennies in my pocket, but I said, I'm about to go someplace. You, is there someplace you want to go? And he said, yeah, I want to go to Gulfport, which is 12 miles away. And I said, well, that's where I'm going. So I said, get in. So when we got in the car, I asked him, I said, you know, this may seem unbelievable to you, but I've never been drunk with alcohol. Hmm. I said, would you mind telling me why you get drunk with alcohol? I said, some people tell me they like it and other people tell me they do it to drown their their sorrows. Mm -hmm. And uh, the tears started rolling down his cheeks and for the next 12 miles, he told me about the miseries of his own home. Wow. And when we got to Gulfport, he said, I, I told him, I said, well, this is as far as I go. And he said, me too. And then he started to close the door. And then he pulled it open again. He said, do you live here? And I said, yes. And he said, could I come up and see you? Now, that doesn't seem like much, but I was floored because people stayed away from me in droves hmm. because of my attitude towards religious things. Okay. And now here I give up on all of that, and now the guy asked to come <laughs> and see me. This was a, a profound moment in my life when I realized that by asking and being willing to learn from him, I was actually imparting worth to him hmm. and I was letting him be my teacher. And this made all the difference in the world. And it has stuck with me for the rest of my life. See, I'm 95 years old now. And I've never lost that sense that to, that people want to feel significant in their environment. And hmm. And when we when we are willing to learn from each other, we are granting each other that worth, hmm. that that something that says, "I'm worth something to you." And and I think that's a very important moment. So, by shifting out of the role of being the wisest one, by being the person with all the answers, and into the role of of being the person asking the questions you found that you were, you were able to help other people 
first of all, connect with you, but also connect with what they actually were struggling with by letting them be the wise one about, about their own life instead of you trying to be the wise one? Exactly. Hmm. I came to believe that I needed to get people in touch with their own wisdom, not mine. Hmm. Because my my wisdom about them wasn't isn't worth yeah. a tinker's damn, you know. Right. It's it's when they begin to understand that that they they have the wisdom about it. It's it's failing to tell the truth about it that keeps us from our from our wisdom. Mm-hmm. And then. And so you helping others name their own truth was more important than you naming their truth for them, basically. Absolutely. Hmm. Yes. That's a, was that, was that difficult from a personal humility standpoint to make that shift? Well, I was so devastated by my own situation that you could hardly, um, you could hardly say that that it was difficult because it was it was the truth, and um, it seemed like uh, I had. You have to understand that I had read James Allen's essay, a, a man, which is called "As a Man Thinketh." Mm-hmm. That, that comes from the Bible verse, "As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he." And he says in the second chapter of his essay, he said, the mind is like a garden. And uh, the the garden doesn't care what it produces. The gardener cares, but not the garden. Hmm. And the the mind doesn't care what it produces. But the, the person who has the mind, have you ever stopped to think that, that, if you have a mind, or if you have a body, who has it? You know, if you have thoughts, who has those thoughts? Hmm. Well, we tend to think of our our thoughts as being who we are, but the, no, those are the thing, the things you have. And when he said that the mind is like a garden. This became an extremely important moment for me because I realized that it isn't the seeds that blow through the garden during the winter time. It's those that the garden harbors. Hmm. It's those that it hangs on to that take root. And and if we don't tend it, it'll produce weeds or, or whatever. Yeah. But but if we want it to produce what we want, we have to take charge of it and decide which seeds are allowed to grow. So you're saying the the mind's like a garden and that whatever's there will grow. And we sort of act like we can't do anything about it. Like the thoughts that are there are the thoughts that are there. And you're saying we've got to take a gardener approach to our own thoughts and say, Hey, what's useful? What's, what helps me move in the direction I'm trying to move and, and, and weed out the quite literally weed out the, the thoughts that are, are not getting us somewhere. This brings us to two very important ideas. Yeah. We need to, 
recognize. One of them is that seed brings forth fruit after its own kind. Um, mm. uh, the second thing is that thoughts are the seeds from which circumstances grow. Mm. These two ideas uh, are amazing in their results when you once accept mm. the truth that if I think about my troubles all day long, the crop is going to be more troubles. Mm. Because seed brings forth fruit after its own kind. Right. And um, uh, the second thing is that uh, I need to be aware of what I'm thinking because do I want to live with the crop that I'm planting? And I decided that I spent my whole day thinking about what about my troubles. Well, what can I expect as a crop? Hmm. Well, more and more and more troubles. I had to, I, I realized then that I had to choose thoughts, not by denying the other, not acting I, I found out that i could say yes i know i'm i'm deeply in debt but but i exchanged it for a thought that i could live with yeah and um it just so happened that the one i latched onto is from the bible it says i can do all things through christ who strengthens me and uh, i know now that that means through a Christ consciousness mm. um, that if I want to do, so uh, I decided that, well, you know, I can do that. I can, whenever my troubles come up, I can say, yes, I see that, but I can do all things. Mm. And I slowly changed my thought patterns from defeat to that I can do mm. it. And, uh, and then. Yeah. When I once made that switch, then the ideas on how to improve things began to flow. Right. So, yeah, by naming the truth, you can sort of put a stop to planting bad seed. Yes. And then you can start to say, okay, so now that I've acknowledged the truth of the situation, I can start planting seeds through which good fruit can grow. Yes. And, and fruit of my own choosing, you know, uh, see, it, we have to understand it's a law. Hmm. Uh, see, if, if, if you throw a ball up in the air, you, you don't have any trouble believing that it's going to come down mm -hmm. because the law of gravity works everywhere for everybody, every time. Hmm. So, Seed brings forth fruit after its own kind, everywhere, for everybody, every time. Hmm. So if you get a crop different than what you thought you planted, you don't question the law. What you do is you recognize that somewhere you violated that law by, hmm. for example, if you thought you planted radishes and carrots came up, you wouldn't say, well, seed brings forth fruit different 
kinds. Right. You wouldn't say that at all. Right. You would say, uh-oh, either Plan. the seed company or me, we made a mistake. Yeah, I planted, planted the wrong seed or there's yeah. the wrong seed in the, pa- the package. <laughs> and sense. another thing, too, is that if you plant the wrong seeds and you find out about it because the, the crop shows you that, mm-hmm. and you still want radishes, then you go back to the seeding process. You don't, you don't ask God to change carrots into radishes. Mm. You, you go back to the seeding process. When I ask mm. people, what would you do if you got carrots instead of radishes? Couldn't you just pray and ask God to, to change, change it? And, uh, mm. and they say, well, yeah. But I say, well, so why don't you do that? And mm. I push them and push them until they say, gardens don't work that way. Huh. Neither does the mind. So you should pray to have your seed changed, basically. Absolutely. Hmm. Hey, that was a good, really good conversation. I'd actually, there's more there, so we'll we'll keep unpacking some things. But I just wanted to point to a few things to close it out here that stood out to me. Um, one at the beginning, just the concept of state your truth about your situation, and and really recognize, acknowledge that you're presently powerless over that truth. Um, not that you will stay there, but that presently you've been powerless over it name that truth and that there's freedom all by itself in naming that truth. I just thought that was really interesting to me. I think a lot about, um, you know, failure basically and how we're, we're really just afraid of failing without actually considering what the real consequences of it are or how easy it would be to bounce back from failing. And we let failure drive so many choices instead of, we really want to move through our life being successful with every single step that we take. And if that matters to us, the size of those steps we can take have to be so small in order to make sure that we're successful with each and every one. And that by getting good at naming our failure, naming our truth and experiencing that freedom, uh, we can really start to, you know, really un- unchain ourselves and, and realize our potential. Uh, the other thing is really just the this concept, and I've actually watched my grandpa practice this over his entire life, but everybody describes him as wise, and he really is resistant to it, as you heard in the opener. And his reasoning is that he doesn't actually see himself as knowing that much. What he's learned is how to help other people, you know, f- kind of figure themselves out. How to, how one, one way he put it to me one time was, um, you know, everyone's capable of handling the monkey on their own back and no one is capable of handling two people's monkeys. And so if you can just help people see their own power, their own ability, their own wisdom to handle that monkey, that's actually, uh, I guess, true wisdom in terms of how the world perceives it, at least. Um, the third thing was this gardener idea and, and really that we have a responsibility to our own thoughts and that we, we need to manage them. And I've just been, I've been thinking about that ever since the conversation and how a lot of times something will happen that frustrates me and that if I can name that frustration, I think that's really valuable or name that failure, 
it's really valuable. And then if you can get to the point of planting good seed, you can start to move on from that failure. But there's this window in between where we kind of tell this story, like a, we fill in the gap. So say someone, say someone lets us down or, you know, a boss does something we don't appreciate. Um, we fill in this story of what that means. They think about us and what that means is real about us. And we actually end up telling a full story that's mostly made up in our own minds and delays us from getting to the point of planting our own good seed that, um, you know, fruit can come from, which really leads to this last idea. Um, and I just, it just really stood out to me. The seed brings forth fruit after its own kind and that that law works everywhere for everybody every time and just that you have to buy into that idea <laughs> um, you have to really go for it with that idea and see that through all the way and that's the only way to kind of test it and that just really stood out to me and and not totally sure what to do with that right that's um that's a big ask and so that's where it left me where I was left was how do I garden my own thoughts how do I plant seed that will bring forth the fruit that I'm looking for because I can, I'll be able to see the results everywhere for everybody, every time. 